to Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. Life in Accounting is the podcast for everyday heroes like you working in the accounting profession. Are you ready to hear from accounting influencers, thought leaders, visionaries, and other professionals leading change in the accounting world? Then stay tuned for Mark Goldman, a CPA, the owner of Where Accountants Go, and your host. Welcome to Life in Accounting. I love it. That's why I'm saying I'm so happy. I feel like it's so purposeful. I feel like what I'm doing now is so significant. Not that what I wasn't doing before isn't. Hello, everyone. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for Life in Accounting, a podcast production of whereaccountantsgo.com. That clip was from Marriott Martinez in the Los Angeles, California area. Whether you've achieved some level of success in your life and found that it wasn't quite all that you thought it may be, or you're early in your career and striving to build that proverbial successful career, this is going to be a great episode for you. Marriott has a successful and thriving business, but it's something that she actually had to step back from a few years ago and decide to transform. She tells the story better than I would, but basically she found herself in 2014 with a wildly successful business, but it was lacking joy. Or rather, she didn't feel joy from the experience. She did what few people would be willing to do though. Over the weekend, as she mentions, she decided to radically transform her business back into something that she more thoroughly enjoyed pursuing. And that business truly is radically different than four or five years ago. Her services are different and her enjoyment of the business is definitely different. You'll hear it in her voice. She's back to thoroughly enjoying her business and the lifestyle that it provides for her. This may sound a little weird for me to say, but honestly, I'm just super happy for her. You can tell that she's really happy with where she is in life, and that's extremely important. If you find value in this episode for yourself, please check us out online as well. You can find us at www.whereaccountantsgo.com. We have all kinds of audio and written accounting career-focused materials, as well as materials for employers. If you are an employer, one publication that may interest you is our hiring checklist for small businesses. You can find it in the e-tips section, and basically it's everything you need to know about hiring, but in a checklist format specifically for small businesses. Businesses. Once again, you can find that at www.whereaccountantsgo.com. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get started. For our audience, today we have Mariette Martinez from the Los Angeles, California area on the line with us today. How are things going today, Mariette? They are beautiful and sunny, which we love in California, so all is good over here. Ooh, that's nice to hear. We're not seeing too much sun down here at the moment, so <laughs> that's wonderful. <laughs> well, to bring the audience up to speed on this interview, one of our other California area guests very graciously introduced me to Marriott. 
And as we were talking a little in advance, you know, in order to do the whole scheduling thing, I could tell that Mariette both definitely has a passion for her business, and she also just brings a high level of positive, uplifting energy to her work as well. And honestly, I love interviewing happy people. Perfect guest for us. Another reason I was hoping to get Mariette on the show is that she's actually the first EA or enrolled agent that we've had on the program. And I want to make sure we highlight that career path as well for anybody considering that for their own career. Before we get into all that, Mariette, you know, your current situation, everything I just mentioned, I always like to start at the beginning so that we get an idea of where you came from and how you got there. What initially led you to think about pursuing accounting as a possible career in the first place? Yeah, I'd love to share that. But first, I just want to say that out of all the intros I've had, I love that you said you loved interviewing happy people. That's like so cool. Um, trust me, I've been introed before and that's a first. And actually, it's a huge compliment because every day we try to be at our best. And if we're in a serving type of industry, you know, we're serving others and helping others. But hopefully, we're all trying to find happiness and joy as well. And So I just love that you actually got that from me, from just knowing me through our introduction through Robina. Thank you for bringing me on, Robina, and introducing me to this gentleman. But again, I just had to say that because I thought that was awesome that that's what you've gotten from me so far without truly knowing my story. So thank you for that. Yeah, a little bit about me. So I come from a very, very long line of entrepreneurs. My mother was an entrepreneur. Back in the 70s, she's immigrated here with 12 other siblings, all from Mexico, and they all became entrepreneurs, which was pretty amazing. So we have a very strong entrepreneurial line in our life and in our history and in our family. And so I already knew about business at a very young age. What I did also learn really quickly was the importance of learning, growing, and being not only capable of being a strong entrepreneur, but also being capable of thriving and continuing as an entrepreneur. And I learned learned from many experiences personal from my family and then as an accountant for almost 20 years is, you know, really the foundation of that is finances, is accounting, is bookkeeping, is taxes and planning and strategies. And I learned that at a young age because I saw it in my mom. I saw it in my aunts and uncles. It would be a discussion that would be on the table. You know, that's the kind of things we would talk about because they were all business owners. So I learned the importance of, you know, having to know what those things are, creating literacy around finances and accounting, being aware of what that means and why do we work so hard? Like, do we do it for self-worth? Do we do it for net worth? And so these were the kind of things I was learning at a young age. It also, interesting enough, I also learned that, you know, when my family would talk about these things, you know, my mom and my aunts and uncles, they would talk about them, but they actually were not educated in them. So they were just learning from other people and they were learning as they were building their businesses, but they actually never went back and got that foundation. They didn't go back to school. You know, none of them had any type of degrees. And so I realized that that's where the real gap was, is that you have these passionate entrepreneurial minds, but without the actual education and literacy behind that, many times they don't succeed. Many times they don't thrive. And many times they go out of business. And which is something I also experienced personally through my family is many of their businesses didn't make it. And so right out of high school, I basically knew I wanted to get into finances because I didn't want that to be the case. I didn't want that to be the case for myself 
because I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I didn't want that to be the case for any more family members that I could help. And eventually, you know, my message and my passion grew much bigger. I really don't want any business to be left behind due to the lack of financial awareness and literacy. And that's basically what gets me up every day is to share that message and to do my very best to help all businesses survive. Interesting. So you saw what the effect of a good education in finance or the difference it can make and also, I guess, the the difference a lack of it makes. That is very interesting. Unfortunately, the more in the lack of it. I saw the lack of that education and the lack of being able to understand the importance of having a team, you know, creating a partnership with financial partners like accountants and bookkeepers and tax professionals or financial advisors. The lack of that team really provides you a platform of failure because you can't do it alone. You need these people to be on your team to help you grow, thrive, and make better decisions. And if you do create that team, you've created a platform for success. And I saw that and I learned that quickly. And again, that's what drives me every day. Interesting. So did you go pretty much straight through college with your accounting education or were there any detours? Yes, I Interesting enough, when I graduated from high school, I wanted to be a tax attorney because I felt like I could just, you know, uh, take care of both situations, you know, their legal issues and their tax issues. So I figured I should be, just be a tax attorney. <laughs> so, you know, you never know when you get out of high school, you just have these big dreams and you have different expectations. But I actually worked through college and I worked at a CPA practice all through college. It was actually my very first job. And I realized that he focused a lot in the entertainment industry, uh, this particular CPA, and he also focused a lot on professional services, and one of his niches were attorneys. And so I got to meet a lot of attorneys, and I realized I didn't want to become an attorney, um, but I still wanted to become an accountant. And so I continued on, and I graduated in accountancy, and then I continued my career focusing on accounting for small enterprises. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Well, take us through those years between college and starting your own business. What jobs did you hold and what did you learn or gain from each one? Obviously, my very first, first job or experience of working was at my mom's restaurant. So my mom owned a chain of restaurants for 29 years. Uh, she opened over 30 restaurants in that time frame. And so all six of her children, she is a mompreneur as well. And she would have us all come in. And that was our first job from cleaning the bathrooms to being up behind the cash register to eventually I made it in the back office doing her bookkeeping. So that was really my very first job. Again, that was my experience of understanding how important finances was. And then outside of working with my mom in college is the CPA that I worked with. And I worked with him right from my first year in college all the way through my third year in college. I did tax seasons with him. I did off seasons because he did both bookkeeping and tax. And so I kind of learned also this whole importance of, you know, do you want to do accounting and do you want to do taxes or I learned that you could do one or the other. So I got a really good experience of really how the accounting industry worked. He was also really generous with his time and teaching me about, do I want to do public accounting? Do I want to do private accounting? And so I learned a lot in those three years. And so when I was in my last year in college back in the early 2000s, 
before I graduated, I got recruited into a national accounting firm and they focused on something really interesting. They actually focused on hedge fund partnerships. So they would do all of the accounting and taxes for hedge funds and obviously all their partners. It was as niche as you can get that early on in your career. Like, you know, I had heard about the riches and the niches, but I think I started that way too early because I was straight out of college and I was already in this really specific niche. But I'm grateful for it. I learned a lot about hedge funds, first of all, which was pretty cool. I also learned a lot about partnerships and I did both the back office. So we would have to do all of their really heavy bookkeeping and allocations. And then I also would help with the preparation of the tax returns. So it was really interesting to have had that kind of experience so early on. I also had a lot of respect of everything that entails a full service bookkeeper and accountant and tax preparer. I mean, I would do the back office in bookkeeping using QuickBooks. I'd prepare all of the information, right? I wouldn't do audits, but I'd have to prepare it for the audit side. And then I would help the tax department with the tax preparation of the partnership returns. And so I kind of saw full circle. I call it the books to tax cycle. Like the true life cycle of any business is you go books and then you go tax. But many people don't do both. And so they don't see it all. And then technology at that time in early 2000, obviously we were already using QuickBooks and we were already using Excel and we were already creating all these amazing spreadsheets. And so I learned all of that straight out of college. So very grateful for that. And then after that, I honestly literally completely changed my life. I got married a year after college and I had two children back to back and I became a mommypreneur really quickly. And so four years out, I had been married. I had been working in public accounting. I had two kids, literally two years old and a newborn. And I had to step back and say, wow, this is a lot of stuff. What am I going to do here? that point, basically decided to open my own practice. And that's kind of how it all worked out. Okay. Yeah, I'm curious, when you opened your own practice, did you visualize it being part-time at that point to sort of fit your lifestyle or your family needs? Or what was the... Yeah, I think every mother or even parent for that matter, because now, you know, it's really parenting and being a working parent could be both the father and the mother. I've seen them both working parents. And I didn't expect it to be part-time for the fact that I knew the industry I was in. It's very hard to work accounting and taxes part-time. It's just a very involved career. It's a very detailed industry to be in. And it's hard for you to just put yourself in it part-time if you were doing it all. So in that case, when I opened my practice back in 2009, I was providing full-service bookkeeping, accounting. So I would do the financial accounting. And then I would do tax preparation because I knew it all. And I also would do startup consultations where I would you know, do a small business consulting meeting. I would set them up in their right solution at that point with QuickBooks Desktop. Now I'm doing QuickBooks Online. I teach them about the importance of being a small business owner. So I was already doing small business advisory back 10 years ago. Again, from the perspective of I wish that's what my mom had had when she was running her business, that someone would sit her down and set her right. And so I was doing all of this when I first started my business. So there was no part-time at all. (laughs) This was like a (laughs) full-time gig. Yeah, it was a full-time gig. Now, you said 2009. So we were deep in the recession when you decided to start your business. What were those first few years like? 
You know, interesting enough, I was part of that. At that time, we actually had bought a home and, of course, our value went down and all that. But we were trying to stay put and trying to figure out what we were going to do. We weren't going to give up. So, you know, we were still pushing through. You know, even though I knew what time it was in regards to the economy, I still knew the value of what I was providing to my clients. I still knew that they were business owners and there was entrepreneurs opening their doors every day. And I knew that if they didn't get the information I was providing, they most likely wouldn't have a chance to survive. And so that's pretty much how I pitched myself when anyone would come to me for small business consulting or accounting solutions. At that time, actually, to be honest, it was QuickBooks, it was Peachtree, it was Zero, it was <laughs> so insane, <laughs> Fast 90. Oh my gosh, I can't believe how many I supported back in the day. But yeah, you know, I never really got that mindset that this is not a good time to grow your business or this is not something people are going to need. I think that's the reason why I chose accounting. You know, subconsciously, I always have known that business owners can't survive without their finances being in order. Whether they know it or not is a different story, but I know it. Marriott Martinez knows it. And so I've never felt the risk of my business because I knew that the value I was bringing was really priceless if a business owner really wants to grow and thrive. And so, yeah, I never really worried about that, to be honest with you. Okay. Yeah, I find that sometimes people put too much weight on the national news. And frankly, it really comes down to the owner hustling and providing a good service, no matter what the economy is like. So at what point did you become an enrolled agent? Um, What was the decision that led to that? Yeah, actually, right when I opened my business. (laughs) So when I was in public accounting, I actually sat for all four parts of the CPA. And I'm being very straightforward. I could even be embarrassed by this, but I'm not going to be because we all have our situations. So I passed all parts, but I didn't actually go through and get my CPA because I didn't get the hours. And I realized that I didn't really need the CPA to continue with where I was at in my career. And so I continued with knowing that I wanted to eventually have some letters behind my name. And eventually, you know, I could have probably gone back and gotten the CPA. But then when I opened my business, I realized how could I get the quickest letters behind my name? That's what I thought. What are the quickest letters? What are the quickest kind of titles or recognitions that I can put on my website and behind my name and brand myself as someone that is an expert in a specific area, but that it's not going to take me a year or two or three years. And so the enrolled agents was perfect because I had been doing taxes by this time for almost 10 years. Um, back from when I was helping my family. I did the volunteer income tax program, VITA through IRS. I did them all through college. I worked at the CPA practice. And so I said, of course, I'm a tax expert. I mean, that makes perfect sense for me. And I knew I didn't want to do audit. From working those three years at the national firm, I was not interested in audit at all. So I figured EA is perfect. It's an IRS enrolled agent. It's a great designation. It's enrolled through the U.S. Treasury, which is really impressive. I love that. And I did want to focus on taxes. I've always wanted to focus on planning and strategy and preparation and, you know, essentially knowing the ins and outs around taxes. So it just made perfect sense. So over the weekend, really, I just figured out what I needed to do. I went, took the exam. So there was at that point, we're talking back in 2009, there was three exams you would have to take. Honestly, for me, they weren't that difficult because I'd already gone through the CPA exam. And so I wasn't too worried or scared about it. And then that was it. I think after maybe a few months, I had my enrolled agent's license and I was good to go. Mm, There you go. Okay. 
I'm curious about your 10 years in business and how your business has changed because you used the term riches and niches earlier. And I know over 10 years, you definitely refine your business. What's it like now compared to what it was then? How have you transitioned over the years and refined Yeah, it? I agree. I love transition and I love refined. I feel like I've done more of a transformation completely. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. So, you know, I had mentioned back in 2009, I had started my practice. I had two kids in and then, you know, fast forward about, let's see, five years because it was in two thousand six years, so 2014. I oh, know five years, 2014. You know, I was doing really well. You know, I was growing my practice. I had a team. I was doing full service, bookkeeping, payroll financial accounting, tax preparation, tax planning, so everything. But I took a step back in 2014 and I realized, as you said on the phone earlier, I wasn't that happy. And I said, you know, something's not right here. I'm a very happy person. You know, by nature, I actually am. And I have a lot of joy and I'm so grateful for that every day. I'm so grateful for waking up with joy and going to sleep with joy. And I wasn't feeling joyful. And I felt ungrateful for not feeling joyful because I was had a thriving business. And like you said, there'd been people that would come in, I mean, my own clients, and they'd be struggling and I was doing really well. And so I was confused. What's going on here? Why am I not grateful? And so I took a step back and I said, I got to do something. And I feel like everything changes over the weekend. I always laugh at myself because I just need a weekend. <laughs> and then something, <laughs> no, I'm serious. That's how my life works. So I took a weekend and I kind of talked to my spouse and he looked at me. He's like, oh no, because he knows when he has that look, like, what are you going to do now? And I said, you know, I got to just take a few days. I got to think through some things. Something's got to change. And so I realized that the reason why I wasn't so happy was that I was really in like the grind of the business, but I wasn't really like spending time on what I felt was most valuable, which was like the education and seeing the transformation in people's lives. I felt like I would help them with the tasks, but I wasn't helping them with the transformation. And I feel like transformation really happens with education and with like seeing those light bulbs turn on and their eyes light up. And I wouldn't see that when they'd come to do bookkeeping or when they would do taxes. It was like always just the task of doing it. And I didn't see that excitement in them anymore. And I could tell that was on me now. I wasn't seeing the excitement on me. So I figured, well, how do I get that? How do I get that excitement? How do I see those lights in their eyes? And I realized I needed to go back to what I've always loved to do was education. I needed to go back to educating them and being able to monetize that because that's what always scared me is how can I educate and also monetize that? Most people don't go into education to get rich, let's be honest. And so I just had to figure out how to monetize creating a strong enough message that's going to help millions of people and then create a business model around it. And so that's when I basically transformed from full service bookkeeper, accountant, and tax professional to I started my transformation into public education. That was in early 2015 when I started that transformation. And essentially, I just finished it at the end of last year. So now I'm doing strictly public education and content creation and public speaking versus four years ago, I was doing full service accounting, bookkeeping, and taxes. Let's define that a little more. Are you doing any taxes or accounting now or how does that work? Yeah, no, I... 
So essentially what I've done over the last four years is I've created very, very strong partnerships with a few of my closest colleagues that I have very high respect for and I also know how they work in regards to how they service their clients. And so essentially I uh, refer out any new bookkeeping or tax work. I refer them out to my partners. And then over those four years, I've also slowly transitioned my entire client base to those partners as well. But I do, of course, just have a handful of more financial accounting because I don't do any full service bookkeeping. I essentially just do financial analytics. I review small business owners, their finances. I go and do some financial analysis with them and then tax planning, but I don't do tax preparation. So I do that specifically to just keep myself obviously in my A game, but any full service bookkeeping, accounting, payroll or tax work, I refer all that work out to my strategic partners. Interesting. Would it be appropriate to say you're a financial coach? Is that, does that start to define it? Yeah, you could define it like that. I mean, essentially what I let people know, because they're just trying to figure out, you know, what exactly do you do? And I just say, I do three things. First, I public educate. So I public educate the community that needs me most, which are micro businesses and solopreneurs, self-employed, and the service providers that want these businesses to grow and thrive. So I actually educate my own colleagues, bookkeeping, accounting, and tax professionals. I also do small business advisory. So that's the appointment where the business owner wants to talk to Mariette and wants to have this very high-valued experience with me. And I essentially kind of lay everything out on the table. I explain to them, you know, what does it mean to create a thriving business with collaborative partners? And then I introduce them to the partners that they may want to work with. And most of those partners are my strategic partners. I'm essentially a connector when it comes to that. And then the third thing I do is content creation and delivery. I create content and I deliver this content to my community. Interesting. Is it all financial-based content or are there some other things you're doing? It started with wanting to be, you know, a financial educator, so very financial literacy related, very accounting technology related. But interesting enough, it's transformed as well. Like, you know, being in this new place, Mark, it's been a transformation of what I've realized entrepreneurs need. Many times they need inspiration around mindset. They need inspiration about money. That's why I loved your podcast with Robina. You know, having a relationship with money and being able to work through like, why do I work so hard and not have any money at the end of the day? Like, I don't get that. Why is that happening? So I also create collaborative workshops. For example, I'm doing one next month, which is called Feeling Worthy of Your Money. And essentially, it's for women that are doing very well. They're, you know, small business owners, but for some reason, they're not able to maintain their finances. And so we're going to talk about, you know, feeling worthy of managing their money. So yeah, I mean, the topics that I teach, they go from financial literacy to accounting technology all the way to money mindset. Wow. Wow. And you sound like you're enjoying it so much. (laughs) I am. I love it. That's why I'm saying I'm so happy. I feel like it's so purposeful. I feel like what I'm doing now is so significant. Not that what I wasn't doing before isn't. And that's what I always try to share when I have my advisory appointments, my one-on-one with my business owners, or definitely when I create the message from a massive scale when I teach at conferences like Scaling New Heights or QuickBooks Connect or industry conferences. I always want to continue to emphasize on the fact that entrepreneurship is collaborative. 
I'm just now the person sharing that message and letting everybody know that your accountant is significant, your tax preparer is significant, your financial advisor is significant, you're significant. Like everybody collaboratively can find the same happiness that I'm sharing on stage. If you realize that you all working together, it's magical. And you don't have to be alone anymore. You can work together. There are people that actually want you to grow and thrive. And so you just got to find those partners. So in terms of who you could best help, what's an ideal client look like for you? Yeah, you know, great question because it's kind of a hard question. You know, it's really from a perspective of communities. And I don't want to say that because I remember when I was, you know, a bookkeeper or a tax preparer, I'd say, I want to help self-employed with their accounting and their taxes, or I want to help industries. I was really focused in the real estate industry. And I would focus a lot in real estate agents and brokers, investors, flipper dealers. Like I really would spend years learning the industry and helping them and servicing them. But when it comes to content, Mark, I really help communities. So when I find communities that really need my help, I just create content for that particular community. Maybe that's why I'm so happy because it's like it's limitless what I can provide and how I can share and how I believe hopefully I can impact the world is really limitless. So obviously to bring it down to a niche, you know, I would say small businesses, micro enterprises, because hopefully someone that's a macro enterprise knows this stuff already. Let's hope, right? (laughs) So let's hope macro businesses are not financially illiterate. Like that would be a very big problem, right? So of course, when we really want to like bring it down and narrow it down, we're talking about the industries that have heavy micro businesses, small businesses, you know, less than 20 employees, solopreneurs, which are usually the self-employed communities, which we know that are over 20 million and plus. And then again, the providers that serve that community. So my bookkeeping, accounting and tax colleagues, my financial services colleagues that serve the micro business community, that's basically my target market. Interesting. Okay. Just I was curious about the use of the term communities and trying to figure that out. So thank you. Beautiful. One of the other things I wanted to ask you about, you have this video on your website and part of it talks about the importance of being a good parent. If I'm listening to this and I'm a business owner and I'm aspiring to be a business owner, what do I need to know about succeeding at both, at the business, but then also at being a good parent? Oh, gosh, that's a really good question. It really is because it really tugs at my heart. You know, especially since I focus a lot on inspiring and enriching the lives of working parents, particularly working moms, because I'm a working mom. So, of course, I have a special place in my heart for working moms, but just all working parents. I think, number one, what we have to realize and what I've realized myself is that as a working parent, you live a very blended life. And it's so hard to separate the two. And number one, you have to be okay with that. You have to be okay with constantly making decisions around parenting and prioritizing and choosing where you're going to spend your time. So you just have to put that on the table. Like that's never going to change. That's what being a working parent is. It's having both 
So that's the first thing. The second thing is, and what's helped me personally, is because parenting and because family is such a huge value of mine, I found it very accepted in my personal life to bring my values into my business, to share that I'm a mom, to share that we're all vulnerable, to share that we're all juggling in our lives. I use that a lot when I speak. I use it in my Facebook Lives. I use it in my public speaking. When I go and do public speaking at different events, I talk about me as anybody else. I'm vulnerable. I make mistakes. You know, I had a bad day. You know, it could have been at work or it could have been at home because I did both today. I did work and home, right? And so it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to blend your life. But if you're strong in your values and if you know what your values are, you know, like family first or, you know, working ethically or only working with the people that bring joy into my life. In my case, that's why I love working with women so much because I can relate to them. I know what they're going through. That's why I love working with specific industries like the real estate industry. I love that industry because first, a lot of my aunts and uncles, they invested in real estate. I would see them sweat. I'd see them hustle. And so I get that. I understand that. I would see that they would struggle in their finances. And so many times I would align what makes me personally, Marriott, happy, what I value with how I build my business. Not everybody agrees with that. They believe, you know, business is business and values and your personal life is separate. I personally believe it's less pressure when you try to put them together and blend them than when you try to separate them. And so that's just something I've learned when it comes to, you know, having that blended life. That is good advice. Definitely. Well, I want to be respectful of your time and we have the final three questions to get through. But before we do that, one of our early listeners to the program suggested I add this question in, and so I try to do it as much as possible. If you could go back in time and give your younger self just one piece of critical advice, what do you think that might be? Huh. Now, is this my younger career self, or is this just my younger self from, like, childhood? Either one. Whatever comes to mind first. <laughs> right away when you said that, I thought about way younger childhood. And I think about this even more because I have children. You know, I have a 13-year-old daughter, an 11-year-old son, and a two-and-a-half-year-old son. So I have my little ones, and I think about what we talk about every day. And we talk a lot about their dreams and what they envision their life to be, you know, what they love to do, and can you make money doing it? You know, my son says he wants to be an architect because he loves sketching and he loves the idea of creating something big where people can live in. He always says, I want to create a building. Someone in the building is going to create magic in it. I'm like, I love that, right? My daughter says she wants to be a veterinarian because she says she loves animals and she wants to live in a farm. And so if I can talk to my youngest, youngest self, I want to tell myself to write in a journal and write all the things that I'm dreaming about and all the reasons why I want to be that person, you know, 20 years out or 30 years out. What the why? Like, why do I want to be an architect? Why do I want to be the vet? Why do I want to be someone that helps business owners. And I know the reason why, because I wanted to help what happened to my family not happen to others. But maybe as a child, maybe it would have come out even better because children come out with the most beautiful things. Like when they say it, it's just so naturally honest and vulnerable and sincere. I wish I would have written those things down. And I actually now try to write things down when my kids say it. I want to share that with them in the future and say, you said you wanted to be an architect because... I would like to tell myself back in the day to write those things down. So that way I remember why I wanted to continuously have joy in my life. 
You know, that is great advice. I've done that a couple times because I realized I had forgotten why I started something. Not like to the extent that you're talking about, but just on a couple specific items. And it is helpful to go back to that. Sometimes it gives you the strength to move on, you know, during the difficult time. or It helps you keep the dream, Yes, you know. Absolutely. I love that. It helps you keep the dream. Exactly. I love that. I love that. Thank you. That is beautiful. You're welcome. Thank you for the question. It was a new one. Thank you for that. <laughs> you should keep I try asking to, it. <laughs> I try to surprise the guest every once in a while. <laughs> well, you've done it well, twice today. By saying that you love interviewing happy people, that was the best. I won't forget that introduction ever. It was the biggest compliment I could have ever gotten. Thank you for that. Oh, well, you're very welcome. Well, I do end every podcast with the same three questions, and so we probably should get to those. The first one is, from a career perspective, what's been your proudest moment? Oh, gosh. That's such a great question because over these last couple of years with my transformation, I've had such amazing moments. Um I'm going to just have to handpick one of them, and you all can experience it with me, actually. So on my website, as was mentioned earlier by Mark, there are a few videos that I love to share, and one of them is extra, extra, extra special. So I was able to be humbled and honored by the request for Intuit to do a follow me home. And so basically what they did is they took a whole day and they sent out a whole camera crew to follow me from the morning until the end of my night. And they wanted to know, you know, what is the life like in the day of Mariette? And it happened perfectly because I am a member of a Latina business organization. And it just so happened to be the day I was going to have our annual conference because we have an annual business conference here in the Inland Empire where I live. And so they came bright and early in the morning. I mean, I'm talking from like when I was dolling myself up, getting ready all the way (laughs) until when I was taking my makeup off. I mean, it was full day, six in the morning until almost nine o'clock at night. And they filmed the entire thing. And it was a gift to me. Of course, it was for their marketing campaign as well. But they gifted me that experience and they gifted me that video. And I was able to see my life. I mean, even from they followed me back home. After the conference, they followed me back home. They filmed me in my living room. They filmed me with my kids. It was truly a remarkable once-in-a-lifetime experience. I don't know if anyone's going to do that for me again. So that would have to be one of the top highlights of my career. I'm just curious. Is this something you go back and you watch? Many times. <laughs> oh, yes. Many, many times because in the, why I'm saying you could all share on it. So if you actually go to my website at marriottmartinez.com and you click on watch my story, it's a very long video for a clip. It's like three and a half minutes, I think, but because they did a full day. And so I go back and I watch it and I'm like in amazement of, wow, I did a lot that day. <laughs> So, yeah, it was pretty amazing and it's really inspiring. And mostly I like to share it with women to let them know that they can do it. They can do it regardless of their situation, that this could be their day. My day can be their day. And I love sharing that with them. That's pretty cool. Definitely. Well, second question, tell us about a mistake you made and what you learned from it, because that's what we're really after. But frankly, the bigger, the better. Okay, so a mistake I've made. Hmm, and I'm sure you hear from everyone. Well, let me go through my list. (laughs) 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 You know, I think it was something that I learned from it 
Mistakes are so incredibly powerful because it gives you the opportunity to learn from them. And sometimes they can be life transforming. And in my case, it was, you know, I grew my business, as I mentioned, from 2009 to 2014. And and I thought I wanted everything I wanted. I wanted this team. I wanted to provide all this service. I wanted to make a certain amount of money. And what I realized is I kept on saying, I, 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 but I've never even had a conversation about what I wanted. It was just somewhere in the back of my head of where I thought I wanted to be. And when I started my transformation in 15, I learned about coaches. And I learned that there's actually someone out there that you can share what your eyes and what your wants and what your dreams are. And they really help you envision it into what you really do want. Because you really don't know what you want until you piece it out, until you put it on a vision board, until you write it down, until you state it to someone else and that someone else becomes your accountability partner. And so, and again, I didn't know about that until when I started my transformation, I started meeting a lot of people that had changed their lives and changed their careers and they were all using coaches. And so that's when I decided to actually get a coach and I've had a coach ever since. And as you know, and you've had uh, amazing guests like Sarah Elliott on here, who is the founder of Elevate Alliance, which is, you know, a mastermind and coaching program for women. I started meeting people like that. And I realized I need to stop thinking I can do it all by myself. Like I need my partners. I need my accountability groups to be like, Mariette, yes, you're like almost there, but can I give you a couple suggestions to just really accelerate you to where you need to be? I needed to be open and I needed to be willing to have people help me like that. And once I did, once I opened myself up to coaching and to masterminds and to the advice of others that I completely trust and I truly believe they want the best for me, my success accelerated to to places that I could have never even dreamed. So again, I guess the mistake was really not knowing. And then now that I know, it's really helped. Yes. I have to reiterate that about coaching. I've used personal coaches or business coaches in the past as well. And it's hard to see until you actually get into that relationship with a good coach and you start to realize, how did I ever run my business before? (laughs) Yes, yes, exactly. Exactly. Definitely a lot of value. Well, last question, and then we'll go ahead and close it down. What is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? Ah. I always go back to one and I share this all the time. I even get teary-eyed when I think about it because it literally was the transformational moment of my life. So as I started my transformation back in 15, you know, I was going full throttle. I was changing my message, changing my website, sharing with the whole world that I wanted to be this new person, an educator, an advisor, and no more this and no more that. And it's just sharing a lot of the messages because I was excited about it as well, this new change. And so it was a year into my transformation and I sat at one of the conferences I was speaking at and we were sitting in a bar. I'm not saying we were drinking, but we were just sitting in a bar because it would have been a long day at this conference. A lot of times, you know, I love these conferences because I get to see friends and colleagues that I only see once or twice a year. And so this is a colleague of mine that's also a mentor and I hold her really high, high esteemed. And she's like, Mary, come over here. I want to talk to you about something. And I'm like, okay. So so I could see it in her eyes and I'm like, are you going to kill my buzz? Like, I'm having a really good time here. Like, you look really serious. What's going on? And so she's like, you know, I want to talk to you about something and I really want you to listen to me because I love what you're doing and I see your passion and I can see so much success, but I just need to tell you something. You really need to listen to what I'm saying. So, okay, right away, I was like, okay, I'm listening, I'm listening. And she goes, you're so excited 
about so many things that I don't understand what you're really excited about. She goes, you want to share a message and you want to share your mission engine with the world, but you're sharing so many messages that I don't really know what is truly important to you. And when she said that, I realized that I need to be more laser focused on what I truly want the world to know about how I'm going to impact the world. How am I going to bring significance to the world? What is that mission statement? Pretty much it's the mission or the slogan or what is my true vision on how I want people to see Marriott? And what is that title going to be? And what is that tagline going to be? And what is that consistent mission going to be when I share it? You know, my elevator pitch per se, right? And when she said that, I realized you're right. I am very passionate. I'm very enthusiastic. Obviously, it's not hard to get that out of me or out of my voice. But when you are so excited about so many things, it's hard for people to really know what is that one thing you're really excited about. And that was it. Just that one message that she gave me that one moment. And I just decided I got to be true to my true north. And I need to share that one message. And again, that one message is that no business be left behind due to the lack of financial literacy and awareness and the partners that I want to help these businesses grow and thrive. And I would say that over and over and over again until it became my one true north. So yeah, that was really powerful advice that I got. Wow, that's a good friend. So many people will let you go along being very excited and then if it doesn't work, well, I saw that was going to happen, but she she pulled yes. you aside and oh my gosh. Yeah, wow. that's why I don't forget it. Mark, I get teary-eyed when I tell people that cuz I see people struggle with their mission, they struggle with their message, and I always think back of that moment of when she pulled me aside and she said, "You have to sit down and write it down and learn it and say it until it becomes something like saying your name." I love that. She says, "Say it like it becomes saying your name." And I was like, wow. And it's taken me years, by the way, to say it like I'm saying my name, (laughs) but I'm still working on it. I'm still working on it. Wow. Well, thank you. That really is a great story to end this on. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Well, for our audience, this has been Life in Accounting, a podcast production of whereaccountantsgo.com. If you haven't yet visited that website, we're going to have a write-up of Marriott's episode. We have Sarah's episode, all the others she mentioned, and of course, our other 120 or so at this point. You can find that all at www.whereaccountantsgo.com. We also have an extraordinary amount of accounting career-related content outside of the podcast as well that you may want to check out. Marriott, I know you mentioned your website earlier, but if you don't mind, in case someone wants to watch that video or wants to find out more about you, give that to us again. Absolutely. It's www.marriott, M-A-R-I-E-T-T-E, Martinez, M-A-R-T-I-N-E-Z.com. Perfect. Well, thank you to the audience for joining us. And thank you, Mariette, as well. We appreciate your time. We will see everyone next week. There's more to come.